This is the Championship Clubs Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Championship Clubs Podcast. We'll round up the latest results and look ahead to the next round of Championship action later in the show. But he's back, everyone. One of the pod originals, Ben Gulliver. Mate, it's great to have you back on. We'll get Norsen in a minute. Um, We'll be joined by Richie Williams, DOR at Cambridge, uh, and Championship commentator Joe Burns later on in the show uh, as we look ahead to the the title race in National 1 and and the ramifications for next year's Championship potentially, uh, and as well as the ongoing issues surrounding coverage and exposure for the league. We talk about it on on the pod all the time, but got to start with uh, with round 13. Another eye-catching set of results. Gully, I think I know where you're going to go first with this one. Mate, two of my old teams... um... I actually called it, I think. I think I wanted Bedford, not wanted, I called Bedford to beat Pirates, uh, but 55-13 shocked me. Now, if you rewind to the start of the year when we were doing our predictions for the league, I thought Bedford would have a good year this year. The reason being their age profile has changed and their relationship with the Saints is bedded in. And I think you're starting to see that now. And um, I think my old mate Booge is, is pulling the strings nicely at 12, but also off-field he's doing a pretty good job defensively. So, with that score last season or the season before, it would have been 55-54, wouldn't it? So, it's clearly that something's going right defensively for Bedford because um, we all know they'll score points every week. And I just think that's a real statement to the league as to like what, what that team's about right currently right now. And I don't, I don't think there's anybody within the league that would fancy Bedford at home at the minute. Ealing, Jersey, whatever it is. And I think that's they're, they're the form team alongside Cov, really. Um, and I th- and Coldy are four on the spin, aren't they? So it's um, the, the league, like just looking through it, I'm just sort of thinking Bedford are the form team, but they're actually not. Coldy are the form team. So it's just like, it's, it's fascinating league again. And it's like, rewind again to last year when there was four going for the title. It sort of feels like there's a bit of that going on again this season. It's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, you know, from from a Pirates point of view, it's a, it's an extremely difficult um afternoon for us it's a, it's a tough result to take on the chin to uh, you never want to concede 50 points we go into every game feeling like we're we're capable of getting the win um not we haven't been great on the road this season so far we started we put a couple of results together at the beginning of january with a couple of home games uh on the spin but yeah under no illusions how tough the task was going to be uh up at goldenton road they, they won at our place earlier on in the season and i think the key is with with bedford you think you know sort of like a given in previous seasons is if they've always had a, an absolutely outstanding backline. They've got a great pack this season. They've they've had good packs over the years, but sort of like the feeling has been is if you can get on top up, up front, like in any game of rugby, then, you know, you, you starve the backs of the ball and, and they can't cause you as many problems. And we, we didn't do that. Um, but the, the, you know, they were razor sharp on the day that the backs are just, you go, th- go through all of them, all seven of them were just absolutely brilliant. And, and defensively as well, they cut us the, cut us the bits in, in attack. Um, you know, we did have some possession. We did have opportunities to score, but yeah, yeah, Bouge was sort of running that D, and and it was yeah very hard to break through. And and we just had a, we had a difficult day, and it's up to us to to respond now. And um, yeah, fair fair dues to, to Bedford. No no complaints there at all. And yeah, on, onwards and upwards for for both. But you know, different different weeks this this week heading into a into a new fixture. Talk about Coldy there actually is the you know one of the form sides that picked up another winner the week at the weekend uh, on Friday night there at Lady Bay 29-17 against Nottingham. Nottingham an improved side this year, but starting to slide a little bit. And you know, that's that takes nothing away from Coldy, who've been excellent. Yeah, um 
it's 29-17 is a convincing win, isn't it? I don't care. Like, there's, there's going to be a story behind the game. But to win away from home 29-17, that's an outstanding result off the back of Ealing. And you think, can they back it up? And fuck yes, they can back it up. And, you know, I think, you know, kudos to those. And it's like, if you look at the Nottingham, and these teams that are part-time, you don't know what's going on with squads, injury, etc. And it could be it impacts clubs at different times, so a different form maybe due to what's available, injury, etc. So, I mean, Coley have just found a, a great vein of form and, you know, fair play to them and nobody wants to play them at the minute. And I'm just sort of scrolling down and I was, I was following the Hart the Ealing game as well on, on, on socials and that game was tight as well for a little while and Ealing seems to be in a slump. They don't have the excuse of being part-time. They're full-time. They should, you know, but they've got the pressure. So it's, um, you know, they they win 26-13 in the end. But again, they'll just see that as, yes, win, get rid of the Coldy game, let's move on to the next and just keep churning that win. So that, that result was expected, but I think it was tighter than maybe some people would have predicted, including myself, because um, Hartbury, it, it seems to be a team that are going up. Yeah, yeah, Hartbury, another side that have been on, on good form over sort of like Christmas and, and the New Year periods and... Obviously, their their side changes with availability from the sort of your Bristol's and your Gloucesters and stuff, and and you know they they feel they fielded a, a strong side at Doncaster. They they picked up a bonus point win away at Doncaster, which is no mean feat. Of course, they they turned us over at their place just before Christmas as well. So, yeah, I think say we wrote them off at the beginning of the season, but perhaps thought that they wouldn't have the season that they did last year. Obviously, they were they you know overachieved perhaps last year, but. They certainly shown that they they can mix it with the big boys this year. I suppose the the challenge for them will be to you know, if they can put away some of the sides below them in the table now, which they perhaps have struggled to do uh, in the past. But it was nearly a huge huge story over in Jersey, both for the yeah you know, both ends of the table at the top and the bottom. I think they, they Scottish very very nearly pit them pit them at the end there, and I think they missed a kick right at the end to win it for end of the show. Harry Shepard, we were all sort of in our thoughts on on Saturday night. Felt felt for him. That's a real, real tough one for him. Um, but you know what 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 would that what would that have done to the league? You know, we're talking about Jersey keeping up the pressure on on Ealing, but you know they very nearly got taken apart by a, a, an ever improving Scottish side. You said it. You called it. They're going to get better every week, Scottish. Yeah, with the with the Quins link and poor Shep. Fucking hell. I've watched that kick a few times and it looks like it goes over to me, Shep. So, you know, that's <laughs> I think the officials got it wrong. <laughs> but yeah, it, like it's just um yeah, Scottish again, everyone's improving and some teams are forms dipping, but Jersey will just be I say get out of jail card, get out of jail free card for the season. So then that'd be a bit of a wake up call for those guys and you know they'll I'm sure they've refocused this week, and Harvey will be will be on them um, to to make sure. I think you got you guys this week, haven't they? So it's um, yeah, Pirates jersey at Manet, yeah, yeah, and that's you know that fixture. That's a tasty fixture. We'll I'll, I'll talk about it on the predictions, but um, I'm sure after nearly losing Pirates getting getting humped, let's be honest, um, that that's a game that I'd love to be able to watch. To be honest, but we'll get onto that in a bit. And then we'll just cover off the weekend. Last weekend, obviously, Amtil Cov was postponed. I, was, I actually found it, fancied Amtil for that game. Uh, and then Richmond were ran close by Donny, but it was uh, Donny came out with, with a good win, which is a much needed win for Doncaster because after their after their recent form. So I predicted them three wins in a row. Um, George Edson got into me and said, "You never predict this to win." So I thought I had three in a row, and they lost three in a row. So uh, you know, it, it keeps him off my back. But a good result for Donny away on the road. Yeah, you just uh, you spoke about it there with the the 
Pirates jersey game at the weekend and, and some streaming. And, and we spoke on this podcast a, a couple of weeks ago about probably one of the, the biggest results in the history of this league when when Coley upset Ealing. We all saw that amazing viral clip, you know, of all those kids that were celebrating, which is what obviously what rugby's all about. The eyes on the league perhaps being greater than they've ever been or, or, or certainly for some time. Uh, since since we've recorded, granted, there was that free stream of the, of the Cov jersey game. It was a high-profile game, but there was only a day's notice on that. Uh, there was no game shown this weekend, uh, last weekend, sorry. There's no game again this weekend, despite one originally being scheduled and still waiting to hear why, as we record on Wednesday, why that's not happening. Um, we speak about the highlights show and, and, and the push this league so desperately needs and craves has been pushed back again following some, some further talks. Feels like a bit of an opportunity missed again. Um, it's only been a couple of weeks. Uh, just my opinion. I'm not. I'm not sure I understand it. But um, there's somebody. There's somebody that might be able to shed a bit more light on it. We've got Championship commentator Joe Burns joining us on the show. Joe, great to have you on, mate. What's your your views, and what can you tell us about about the exposure of the game at the moment? Yeah, great to be on, boys. What a privilege. I can only uh, assume that Dave Rogers, Sam Roberts, and Jack Zora were busy, and you've got down the list to Joe Burns and uh, I've made it lads <laughs> um Joe you were top of my list mate <laughs> I've always said you were my favorite on this gully <laughs> <laughs> um yeah lads well look the streaming um I guess I'm, look, I'm not speaking for the RFU but I'm you know speaking from my perspective of being lucky enough to be involved in calling a league that I've got a lot of passion for and I think at the start of the season there's zero broadcast deal and I think, you know, kind of public uh, rugby pressure uh, was listened to by the RFU and that's why they committed to doing 10 games. So we've had four and you're right, I was meant to be down in Penzance doing Pirates v Jersey this weekend and it was a late change. And um, the plan is to that the remainder of the games are going to be stacked towards the back end of the season so that they can tell a better story of the championship and the bottom of the table. Because ultimately, you know, you've got 10 games to tell a story of a season and the business end is where that story gets told. The good news is, I can tell you, is that every team is going to feature on the stream at some stage. So all of the teams are going to be represented, which is awesome because everyone wants to see their team in lights. But I think the reality is, is budget and money, They'd love to stream more. I'd love to be doing more. But with the 10 that they've got, they've been selecting them kind of based on the narrative of the league. Obviously, Ealing jersey and then Cov jersey made sense. And then now they're keeping their powder dry. Nothing around the Six Nations. Obviously, that's Championship Cup. And then coming in uh, loud and noisy at the at the end of the season to, you know, hopefully tell of a thrilling finish. Okay, without shoot yourself in the foot who are they just from like my perspective like who 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 makes that who is the they who makes that decision just for, <laughs> just for clarity <laughs> i make it i make it sound like uh like a faceless um sort of organization for a james bond movie don't know uh the, the rfu right. ultimately yeah. uh you know there's no there's no broadcast deal with a big station uh so it's all on the rfu's back and They've got a broadcast department. They're the ones who've driven the Premier 15s, and that's why there's so much more of that. And, well, we're all seeing the elevation of the women's game, not just because of the broadcasting, but because of the quality of the rugby and and the evolution of the game. But certainly, you know, it being on iPlayer, you know, when you're rifling through the red button, you get newcomers stumbling across it. And I guess 
that comes to your point about the highlights program that I listened to the other week on the pods. And I had to think about that. And we all grew up in the rugby special days, didn't we, on BBC with John Inverdale and latterly. Do you remember Rugby Express on Channel 5 with Thierry Lacroix? No, I missed that. I, miss- I, cannot, I cannot say I saw that. I cannot say. I would be lying. I would be lying. But, I mean, that, that was a TV that I grew up in, rugby that I grew <laughs> up watching. And even back then, you had, you had a nod to the league below. You knew what was going on in the leagues below. And I think that that is something that is absent from uh, from the mainstream rugby broadcasting. Like, well, you know, on the Premiership show, why aren't they telling us what's happening in the Championship? I mean, it would be unfathomable if on Match of the Day, there wasn't any sort of recognition of what was happening in the Championship and who might be going up and who's doing well. So I, I feel that there needs to be a lot more joined up thinking on that front. I don't like whether there's an hour long highlights program. I'm not sure that's the one. I think a, like a roundup section, um, preferably on free to air so that people can access it. But like, de- but definitely, you know, the premiership needs to be talking about the championship more. Qu- question for you, Joe. So we talked, we talked about back ending the, the league, uh, at the end of the league season with the, with the coverage of the live games. I think that makes perfect sense. That you know, that's the first time that sort of uh, thinking has, has sort of like come across my airwaves. That's uh, yeah, totally with you on that. In the meantime, what in terms of what we've just discussed, what is stopping a highlight show? Because effectively, you've got a championship um, championship content coming out on the on the channels all the time uh, with the championship channel. Sorry, uh, try the week, which is great. Plenty of engagement on that. Lovely bits, you know, lovely bits of content with clips of good tries. You know, we've had that viral clip with the with the cold in the Ealing. All of the media managers, myself included, Ryan, our producer included, put together a, you know, a very short highlights package uh, each week to show the game, win or lose, home or away. Um, you know, sort of generally three, four minutes. What is stopping that being amalgamated and popped on YouTube and then shared through that championship channel to get everyone looking at every team? It's surely that's a quick fix. Um, good question. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the reasoning behind that. Because um, uh, they don't fucking care. <laughs> Do you think? Like, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I, I gen- like. I, I can say it because I'm not affiliated to anybody, and I, I think there is. There's a little bit of like, oh, it's just a bit too much hard work, and they don't give a fuck. Um, and it's wrong for them. To think that way, it's like we we all sit here talking like we do about the champ because it's great. And there's there's an open goal there. Have you just spoken about it's 30, 40 minutes highlight package? We've all grown up with rugby special. We all like flats doing his channel five thing that got binned off and then doing it like now it's now it's back up and running and um talking about the prem, but you know, like you said, I mentioned in the champ, I, I think there's not a, a will to do it, which is frustrating. It does my tits in. But like Ross has said, Ross has tried to trying to like break down the barriers and doors to, to do that. But because you know, if you hold the commercial commercial rights for the league, whatever they are, then there's no possibility for anyone to independently do that. So it's just it's, I don't know, mate. It's just I don't know where to go with it. I'm just frustrated, and I just think there's not the will to to do it. So. In terms of the rights, like that's like that's again that's something that like a world that I don't operate in. But I obviously no one wants to buy them, so that's why the RFU 
have them and then they're broadcasting them themselves so it's about making the product attractive commercially for someone to take it on that's what i that's what i presume but the, what do you remember in the covid season um when everyone was broadcasting their games and as a championship fan and like ultimately like that's that's what i am i remember when i was down when i was at richmond or watching richmond you would only get to see you'd see your team at home and then you'd see the visiting team when they came or if you went to an away game then you'd catch them there but you had other than seeing the league results and the position in the table you had no real idea of what you were going to get and I think that still remains. So one thing that the COVID season gave us when everything was being broadcast, it was awesome because you could tune in, you'd be like, oh, wow, like, I like the way that Jersey are throwing the ball around this season or wow, like Bedford are exciting. And you had a much broader picture of every team in the league rather than once a season, Bedford come down, you know, they bring good support, you know, they play an expansive style of rugby and, and you see them once and then bye-bye for a year. What I think that uh broadcast championship season brought was greater knowledge for the the fans inside the championship and i said at the time that i think that broadcasting one game a week at five or five thirty on a saturday would be incredible because there's no it's a captive audience there's no premiership rugby that gets played then on tv and every other championship every every other championship match that took place at three o'clock on a saturday Everyone finishes watching the match. They pour into the bar. It's on the screens and you get to watch your featured game of the week. And it keeps the bars busier. So it keeps the tills turning in the club longer. You get to see teams a bit more regularly. And for the Premiership fans, they're going to be like, oh, well, there's a bit of champ on. I might as well watch that. And then suddenly you're bringing more people in. Mm. There's the story there, isn't there? And then there's the, the regularity of seeing a team on the telly then your Quinn supporter that likes the way Bedford play with similar style then follows Bedford as well. And they're not necessarily going to games all the time, but it's 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 generating more interest in a captive audience, isn't it? I really like that idea, mate. I've not really thought of that time slot before. But you are not you're not competing against cricket or football in those areas either, right? And it's winter but the IPL on and stuff. So it's uh yeah. yeah. That's a great yeah, it's a mate, you make a great point. Joe, and the, the last the last thing we want to do is sort of like hold you to account at all. It's not what not what we're trying to do at all. We're, we're all smiling away here, but you know, it's just a just just a question, just just a question, just a podcast. And just coming back to that as well, and and in in terms of the highlights package, so yeah, we had Charlie Beckett on here, a regular contributor to the pod the other week, and 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 I liked his idea of of when that package would go out because obviously. You still do have that, uh, you know. People like myself, I, I watch football as well. I enjoy football. I enjoy all sport. But there are in rugby, especially, it is it is a sport where people are very loyal to just rugby. There's still a lot of people, especially in the championship clubs, that are very loyal to just rugby, and they have no content throughout that whole week from Sunday when possibly the last game is to the next Friday, and they're they're looking for their fix. They're looking for the a their rugby fix and b their champ fix because that's their club. Because of the way that the you know locations that of the of the teams in the league are spread out, they might not always get to go and see their team at the weekend, especially for from our perspective in Penzance. So, you know, when when there is a, a a massive great big load of football as there is in midweek with Champions League and and you know Premier League, FA Cup, that kind of stuff, really good time to to get that package out would be sort of a midweek to 
you know to keep the keep the wheels turning and the the momentum going for the league from the weekend throughout the middle of the week. Yeah, definitely. I think you as like you've hit the nail on the head that you don't want to be competing against big established uh, viewerships. I guess um, you know is there an argument for games on a Thursday night? But then that conflicts with the semi-pro teams, right? And I see everyone shaking their heads, but you know, it, like you know, that's that's an idea. A little bit out of the box, I guess. The only reason I'm shaking my head, I was involved with, uh, when I played at Worcester, we had uh, Thursday night, Amlin, I think it was Amlin Cup at the time. And the um, the crowds, the, the physical crowds were lower. And I, I, I'm not sure how much interest it generated. So I think they they have tried the Thursday, but again, I don't know who, who they are that made that decision. But if, if it was a real sort of focus around it and like importance to it and a strategic plan around commercializing the game on a Thursday or Wednesday or a Tuesday, then then you have more of an impact rather than just oh we'll, we'll try it on Thursday. But let's actually like think up think of like like you say like competition and like when is a good spot for rugby to be shown, especially championship. Can I can I ask you guys, how do you think the championship should frame itself like as as something to attract people to, because I think a highlights package is all good and well and seeing the tries. But if you were a casual rugby observer or if you were a casual sports fan, objectively, you would say, well, this these are good tries, but this is the second tier of English rugby. Like, you know, I'm going to watch the premiership tries over, over this. I feel that the championship has more to offer in the sense of the story and the heritage and that that is the that is what needs to be told like you know again sort of going harping back to those days you want to be told you know you want to see scenes of the long bar at castle park the you know the longest bar in yorkshire and and you know the famous cow pie and and getting a sense of the fabric of the club rather than just a tri-light show so I, yeah, and that, that I guess that lends it to the question: like, How do you how do you think the championship should frame itself as being an attractive proposition to sink your teeth into? I think my my I had conversations about this and sort of volunteered to get involved with with this this show that I'm I'm very passionate about as well. I think that the way I would see that show in particular structured is um, it wouldn't necessarily be just highlights. It wouldn't necessarily be just the the, the highlights of the game. I sort of said that if if you are free to air ten times a season, even if you're free to air every single week, and it was a weekly thing, have a lead edit of uh, of the featured game with the commentary, so that you know the, the the footage is different to the analysis footage, but sort of do a couple of minutes of interviews either side and focus on that story. Like you said, it's actually completely in line with with my thinking. Is get you know tell the story of Doncaster week one, tell the story of. Bedford week two, then you go to a, a Coldy and an Ampdo and you see the difference and you're telling that that story right the way through the league. And and then you see those teams again later on in the show and you sort of maybe get a, a, an affinity for them and, and you look out for their results. I, I think you're absolutely dead right. It is, it's a storytelling league, isn't it? I, I think, yeah, I'm with you on that, Roscoe. I think um, a feature club followed by highlights would be the way to do it. Um and ultimately, like, if the money was no object, I would have a um, fly on the wall dock down at Pirates for a season, and then you know that goes out the following year. But the, obviously, that's going to cost. I actually spoke to Big Jim about it when I um, when I when I did that. Pardon me, he was like he 
he's stretched in other areas and you know he's in a different world to what we are and he was all for it but he said like that's going to cost you you know in excess of 250k to do that now that's a lot of money isn't it when there's not much money in the league and everyone's fighting for it so and then it's going to go out the following year you know that that would be the dream and i think rugby needs that but i think there's more of a story to be told in the champ but as a part as like like going back to joe's question i think a a 15 minute piece on a club followed by highlights would be ideal um, and i think that's a good way of showcasing the league and a good way of people being interested in it new people not necessarily rugby current rugby people but attracting new people and that 15 minute clip is clipped into minute slots of alan paver to be an alan paver for 30 seconds on tiktok becomes you know that guy could be a superstar like like socially because he's fucking hilarious and then or he go to <laughs> mikey mikey ray or whatever it is it's there's there's i can go in every club and there's there's a story of every person you know a real character within the game that could then generate interest from non-rugby people they then generate more revenue into the league and then it becomes a big a, big, a really big thing which we know it could be yeah i think you're you're bang on gully about new people rather than rugby people i've got a couple of mates who like they, they love their rugby they'll watch england on the telly and they follow a premiership club but they don't know a massive amount below that and two of them came along with me to watch I think it was Richmond Ealing in pre-season and I'm a recently new father and they were to be new fathers as well. And they were, they, they were there and they said, this is awesome. Like I want to come down here more because there's kids running around, everyone's saying hello to each other. They didn't have a real sense previously of what championship rugby was about and what the game day is about and how, family friendly it is but then also being able to say oh bloody hell is that jonah holmes playing for ealing and you're like yeah there's you know and then you go into the players who are there the players who have been there and i think it is it's educating the casual observer the youthful observer who hasn't grown up in the traditional club frameworks that we've grown up in we all grew up next to the touchline in the amateur days watching watching teams but there's that big disconnect now, isn't there, between premiership and championship and below. And it's getting people to appreciate what that can have. I think they did it really well in Australia that the shoot shield they made into a massive thing below the super rugby. And they had like nearly 20,000 for the grand final um, just before COVID. And, and adding, giving that prestige to the league in itself and not framing it like, well, it's the league that everyone wants to get out of to go up to the Premiership. To give it its own merit would be so powerful in, in bringing in those, those new supporters and uh, and appreciators. Interesting points there. Um, hope we haven't scared you off. We want, we want to hear you back on. Uh, just lots of pe- people passionate about rugby, pe- passionate about Championship rugby. Uh, looking forward to seeing you around the grounds and, and hearing more from you later on in the season, mate. It's looking, looking like an exciting end to the league. Being a pleasure, chaps. Thanks for having me. So just looking ahead to round 14, uh, full full list of fixtures this this week. Uh, probably the form, two form teams in the league facing off there at Patton Field is Coley against Bedford. Pirates looking for a response against Jersey at the Mene. Uh, Doncaster back at Castle Park as they welcome Nottingham. Hartbury and Richmond uh, facing off sort of the middle of the table there and Ealing against Coventry. Ealing looking to maintain their gap at the top as they welcome Coventry. Haven't played for a fortnight thanks to that cancellation at Ampdill last week and Ampdill back in action this week. A huge clash, the rag as they take on London Scottish. 
Gully will be checking us in with some of the predictions later on in the week. Delighted to say that we're now joined by Cambridge Director of Rugby, Richie Williams. Richie, great to have you on. How are you, mate? Yeah, r- really good, thanks. Good good to be on, guys. I'm a big uh, big fan of the pod. Top man. Um, look, I suppose, like, I've not I've not spoken to you for a little while, Richie, but we can only start with one one place, really, mate. Yeah, I'll have a result on the weekend at Sail Away. That's got to be, I saw your tweet, and it's got to be one of your proudest moments as DIYs uh, of Cambridge, isn't it? Yeah, d- definitely. You know, the... The red wine certainly tasted a bit sweeter on Saturday night after that performance. And to be honest, Gully, it was one of those games that we probably rolled the dice a little bit in terms of the weather wasn't great all week. We had regular dialogue with with Keepy, the DOR at Sale. And Saturday morning, we spoke before we left Cambridge about half seven and the pitch was frozen at that point. So we, we chanced our arm. He was quietly confident that the pitch would thaw out by the time kickoff arrived and we got up to sale. As I said, it was touch and go. The, the pitch we were due to play on was frozen, so we had to move on to one of the, the outside pitches at Carrington, their training place. Unfortunately, it got the green light and, yeah, delighted with the performance on Saturday. Um, you know, we've hit some really good momentum after Christmas. I think that that break and some of the postponements before Christmas certainly did us a favour. We weren't playing our best rugby in December but since we've come back in the new year, you know, Saturday's performance against, you know, previously unbeaten sale at home and the, the two wins before that um, have put us in a really strong position. Like, I'll just, just rewind a little bit to sort of your, your journey with with Cambridge as well, because there was a huge momentum there last season at one point as well, wasn't there? And it's sort of, you can just talk us through a little bit of why and how you've, you've built sort of this, well, I can, I can say it, you might not say it, but an actual title challenge for, for this season. Yeah, I think probably rewinding back to my first year, which was I think it was probably four or five years ago now. I don't know if you were still in your swan song um, years at Ampdill Gully, but it was, it was certainly you know around about that period, and it was the year that Ampdill got promoted out of National One, and and that season was um, was sticks in my memory for a number of reasons. I think we we avoided relegation the last game of the season. We had to beat Sale up, up there in Manchester, and we had to rely on. Mosley beating Caldy, funny enough to relegate Caldy. So that was four years ago. That was the start. And, you know, since then, we, we've been on a, you know, a bit of a journey. I think we've done it the right way. We, we've tried not to bring in too many players too quickly at the club. But I think what made a big difference for us was bringing in some experienced front five forwards. Um, a few boys from Ampdill, Matty Collins has come across this season, who's, who's played, you know, hundreds of games for, for Ampdill in the Championship and National One. He's been great for us. Billy Walker, who was at Nottingham and Saracens, he's been with us for a few seasons. So those two boys are the are the cornerstone of the pack. And, and I think any team that does well in in National One, you know, has to have a strong set piece. And it's probably something that that we've invested a bit more in over the last couple of seasons. As you can see, that that's not my forte. I try and stay clear of that. But um no, we're in we're in a good position. There's a really good vibe at the moment. Um I think last season we we were in with a sniff up until about this period and then Caldy and, and Sale sort of raced away with it over the last few games. But we're, we're in with a shout again. We've got a tough game again Saturday. We've got Rams at home. Um, but if we can build on last Saturday, then you know I think we're a match for anybody in this league. Richie, Gully touched on it on it there. He said probably talk of uh, being title contenders is probably a little bit premature for your liking and certainly you wouldn't want to be clipped up with a soundbite for some of the other boys in and around there. But a couple of games in hand, you know, looking good there or thereabouts throughout the, the season and sort of 
it's a case of timing that run, isn't it? A bit like what Coldy did last year. They sort of perhaps unfancied, but came from nowhere and and sort of pipped a, pipped a couple of the other challengers to the post. You got another big game against Rams at the weekend. The culture at Coldy's been a big thing that we've spoken about, which you know, which helps them to it was help them into this the league, the championship, and and to do well in the championship as well so far this season. Is there is there a strong a similar sort of culture at, at Cambridge? Do you think? Um. Yeah, to an extent, I think you know the, the work that Matt Keynes and and Gareth have done at Caldy. I think they've gone about their business the right way. You know, they're a a club that rely a lot on their their surrounding area. They've got a, a strong, thriving million junior section. We're very similar. Yes, we have brought in players over the last few seasons, but as I said, we tried to do that the right way. We're, we're not one of the the bigger teams in National One with regards to playing budget. I think we operate within our means and. That's that's because the club, you know, we're in a bit of difficulty. Probably a decade ago, before I was at the club, we we had, um, you know, a big benefactor that that put a lot of money into the club, um, and then you know the the, the club then went into free fall and dropped down to I think it was National Three. Um, so we we've had to slowly build back up, and I think looking at the likes of Caldy and the success that they're now having in the champ is attractive for us and and probably a lot more National One clubs. You know, we we would never be in a position to go full-time, um, you know, with the likes of Ealing and some of the other championship teams. I think for us, that that model of training Tuesday, Thursday, potentially, you know, Monday evening, the, the players all have got their, you know, their jobs that they they work around their, their rugby commitments. And, and for us, you know, financially, I think that that model would work really well for us at Cambridge. But, yeah, I was just thinking, I suppose with, with the the championship and whereas previously and that one, that two club would have the, the caveat of having that extra funding, that's now gone, hasn't it? So it's just like that that model has to be secure in, in the league, respective league you're in, so then for it to work in the league above. Just just sort of, as we are a championship podcast, what's sort of your take on the last couple of years of, of the championship? You know, you, you're quite close to Bedford and sort of, I just wondered like what your view is from someone outside outside of the league currently. I, I think, you know, look, looking looking at it from from out outside of, of that league. I think it's it's clearly changed over the last few seasons. The whole rugby landscape has, has changed post COVID and just referenced there that you know the, the model that a lot of clubs are adopting probably more than three or four years ago. I think Nottingham are another team that are part time. Obviously the Bedford model has, has been really successful there over the last few seasons. So yeah, I, I think our perception has probably changed. I I think now and Caldy are, are probably the flag bearers and Ampetil um, have been established for a number of seasons there. I, I don't think that gulf is as big as it once was. Um, yes, you know there are still teams like your Ealings, like your Jerseys, and essentially Coventry at the moment that are you know are clear of the other teams in that league. But I'm, I'm basing this on the fact we played Nottingham in pre-season, albeit a pre-season game, but we were competitive for large periods of that game. We lost by a score at the end, and I'd like to think with the, the personnel that we've got, and I'm probably the same for. A, a number of National One clubs, we'd like to think that we'd be competitive now in that championship if we were given the opportunity at some point. I suppose without trying to contradict what we said earlier on about not talking too far ahead and, and looking at being in the championship, should you be in the championship, what what would you sort of like your take be on, on how you see this sort of restructure at the moment? Because we we talk about this on the show a lot. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hot topic within the game at the moment of how this how this league could look next season, the season after that, you know, if, if you're a part of that conversation, 
we've talked about coverage and exposure as well. You know, if you're if you're in that league, what how do you want to see it look? Yeah, I think ultimately it's the it's the second league in England. It's it's a you know I'm I'm basing these thoughts on my experiences at National One, which is a you know a, a really strong league in itself. I think that the championship is a a league that is developing, still developing players that are going on to play professional and international rugby. So it's 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 got that kudos about it. You know, for us as a rugby club, it's it's attractive for a number of reasons. I think potentially playing against the likes of Ampdill again and Bedford, which would become our local games. I think it would generate a lot more interest in in Cambridge. It would get more people coming to watch us on Saturdays. But it, it's still a you know an aspiration for us to get into that league. And, and I think what makes that aspiration a bit more realistic now is you know the the, the financial model that that has changed. As I said, it's it's one of those now where we wouldn't be afford we wouldn't be able to afford to be a professional team in that league. But I think there are a number of flag bearers like the Caldies. Um, Nottingham, you know, the teams that are working on a part-time basis, you know, I'd like to think that we could bring something to, to the championship if, you know, if if that was to happen. I th- I think that's, it's, it's nice to hear that there's still an aspirational league from, from someone like yourself, Richie, and just just one of the things that's like, jumped out so with my sort of player hat on is I think with the, the funding, and Ross, you may not, because of where pirates are in the world, just sort of you have to attract, you have to be able to pay a certain amount of money to get a certain player. Now, where you sit in the world, Richie, have you found that since the funding, the funding cuts that there's there's a better quality of player, put it bluntly, available to you for what you can offer as a full package as opposed to a full-time rugby player? Yeah, and no, I completely agree, Gully. I think Cambridge is attractive for, for people. You know, there, There's lots of employment opportunities to come to the area. I think it is definitely attractive. And I think the league that we're playing at now, you're still going to attract young aspirational players that want to become professional rugby players. But on the other hand, we, we've still got players that have played the top end of the game that are looking to, um, you know, to come into to work and, and make that transition from full-time rugby player into employment. And, you know, so, so one of your mates, we had Daryl Vienendahl last year who um, who came across and he was making that transition from professional rugby into, into part-time stuff. And, you know, we, we supported him and like a number of other players as well. So that is an advantage of, us being in the location that we're at, we can attract players from, from probably both ends of that spectrum, the young guys that finish in university, but also the players that, you know, have played premiership rugby. National one now is littered with, you know, ex-professionals that have played, you know, premiership and international rugby. If um, if if the championship doesn't happen this year and it happens down the line, there's obviously been a bit of news around the tackle height and that, that will affect that one, if I'm correct. I, I coach I coach a women's team at uh, level three. I to be frank, I'm fucked if I know I'm going to coach it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, what's what's your, your general thoughts on it? Because like, for me personally, it's um, as a six foot five person tackling a five foot five person, it would have been I'd have either missed the tackle or whacked my head off a knee. Um, and now trying to get my head around coaching that tackle is something that I've not even bothered with yet because I don't know. I don't know how it actually works from a coach's perspective at the minute. It's really difficult. And I parked it until July, get rid of the season, and then I'm going to start to think about how I coach that. I just wondered what your general thoughts were on it, because I think it's a load of bollocks, to be honest. But there we are. Yeah, I completely agree. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll try and be quite measured with my response. But it, it's, 
probably probably like everyone gully we were we felt really um blindsided by this it's, it's come out of nowhere i think that my biggest grievance was around the way that the information was shared you know it came out on social media there was no consultation with coaches at any level with the players at any level uh, to my to my knowledge none of the officials were were communicated to either so it's um yeah i i i feel quite strongly about it i think there's a, a massive risk now that we could lose a lot of players from the game because of this this change and it's not just a small change it's it's a big thing you know we we've got players like every other team that are you know 6 foot 7 6 foot 8 and you almost have to re-coach them and, and change their mindset about you know tackling lower and and, and sometimes physically it's, it's bloody hard for players to do that so i think it would take a lot of work and if i'm being brutally honest it's, it's probably pushing us to want to get out of national one so we don't have to you know coach you know coach tackling lower again and i know there's other teams that have that that same sentiment as well so what whatever happens it'll take a lot of work to to re-educate players in pre-season um you know, I, I personally think there'll be a number of injuries that will happen early on. When you know, if if and when we go to this this new sort of law change, I also think it's going to be really difficult for the match officials as well. It's 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 hard at the best of times for them to, uh, you know, to, to make decisions that they've not got the benefit of having, um, you know, video match officials at our level. So they're almost making a decision in the moment, and now you're asking them to, you know, to critique the, the tackle in a slightly different way and. Yeah, I just think it's a recipe for disaster. Um, there's so many more questions than, than answers at the moment. And yeah, we'll have to wait and see what, what comes up next from the RFU over the next couple of weeks. I think we actually did. We have seen today, um, some point during the day, that the RFU have come out and said that they will be consulting with clubs now. Um, that, to me, asks another question altogether as to why were these clubs not consulted before the announcement, which we've just touched on there. I mean, I think I know your answer. If they're going to consult with you, do we do we think it's going to be a unanimous decision? It certainly sounds like it. The backlash has been enormous. And just to touch on another point you said there, it's it, even in the championship, it's it's a it's a hard league to referee without the benefit of you know replays, TMOs, that kind of stuff. How how do you even police police that? And and we don't want to see those participation numbers drop further, do we? And that's that's the risk. You know, we we should be now trying to get. More people playing in the game. Certainly, post COVID, we lost a lot of players from the, the community game, and I just worry that this this law change will mean that we lose more players. So it's it's, it's a concern. I, I think the conversations I've had with other clubs in the national leagues is, is pretty unanimous that um, nobody thinks this is a good idea. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens next. I think the other thing that people are, are rightly raising is for ourselves, we have. A number of loan players from Premiership clubs, they'll be doing something completely different in the day. Then they'll come to us on a Tuesday, Thursday, and play on a Saturday, and they'll be asked to to play to different laws of the game. So it's um, yeah, as I said, there's lots of questions that that haven't been answered yet. I think uh, sort of even at our level, a, a huge worry is that obviously there's a participation element that attracted new people into the game, but also match officials. That's that's a bit without the match officials at community level you don't have the game and there's already a shortage of them now those guys that are currently refereeing and the the leagues that they're in respectively they're going to look at these new new elements and go this game's hard enough to referee as it is i don't fancy that and it's like and then 
it's it's both ends, isn't it? It's you know no nobody officiating, and all it takes is like what was it fifteen five to fifteen seconds? Someone scrolling through their Instagram or whatever it is, and it flashes up this negativity around again. The guy that's on the edge, or the lady that's on the edge that might want to play, has actually gone. Oh fuck it, I'll then play something else instead because because I'm worried about something. It's just. It's just so been poorly handled and it's just so frustrating. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Gully. And I think there's that you just have to look on any any social media and there's 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 sort of negativity around rugby at the moment. And it, this it's, it's been heightened by this announcement from the RFU last week. So yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens next. I know there's a petition that last count is what forty thousand people that had signed um about this new law change. So you know, I, I don't know what that means, what the implications of that will be, but you know, certainly basing it on conversations we've had with clubs at our level, um, you know, that, that there's some very unhappy people at the moment. Just to go back to the championship for a minute, I suppose, and, and, and wrap that little part of uh, our conversation up. It, we've spoken about, you know, you, what you think of the league and we've spoken about the, the, the potential ramifications for you should you be in it next year. Well, just focusing on this season in the championship and, and what you've seen from the league, obviously, uh, you know, everyone you speak to is a... It's a very tough league to predict. We, we Gully tries tries his best. He does pretty well um, with his predictions on a on a Friday. He does some team talks, that's for sure. Uh, I think I do a little bit sometimes on the pod as well. But um, yeah, you just don't know which way it's going to go. There's 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 teams that, uh, that a lot of teams are all capable of beating each other, as we saw with that that cold Ealing result. I just sort of get your view on on the table toppers and and you know on the bottom because essentially there's you know all, all teams you could be playing in in either regard next season. Yeah, I think Ealing are, uh, in my opinion, you know, clearly the 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 best supported team in in Championship. You know, with the facilities, the infrastructure that they've got, and I think that they're they're destined, hopefully, to get into the the Premiership at some point. And then you've got your jerseys, your your Coventrys that that aren't far behind, and then there's you know the Pirates, Doncaster. You know they're they're always competitive in the championship. See, both those teams had a, a successful year last year and pushed Ealing quite hard. And I, I think it's great to see Caldy. You know, winning winning games. They're on a bit of a run at the moment. I think they they beat Ealing, then they beat was it Richmond last week or, or Scottish? I can't remember. And then they beat Nottingham. So they're being competitive. And yeah, I, I wouldn't like to say you know what what happens on a weekly basis. I'm glad I don't have to predict games like like you guys do, but. I think that's probably one of the exciting things about the champ at the moment. You've got, you know, everybody beating everybody. Um, you know, Bedford player, you know, a, 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 the Bedford way, and you know, such a good attacking team. So it's it's a real diverse league, and I think that that's that's the exciting thing looking at the championship from from National One at the moment. Just uh, yeah, talking about Bedford then at the end, or where. Uh... Producer Ryan was uh, was looking on there, making sure making sure they got a mention after their uh, their thumping victory at the weekend. So yeah, you had to talk about the noisy neighbours there and the potential of you know at the moment coming coming up to play them or you know Amdala are, are struggling at the moment. We spoke about having those those big gates there. They're struggling at the, the foot of the table at the moment. So you never know. It could be a could be a local derby one way or the other next season. Yeah, and it would be nice to, you know, to, to play the likes of Bedford and Amptill. They they would be our real local games. You know, we we had some real good battles with Amptill when Amptill were in National One, and we played Bedford in a pre-season game. I think it was three years ago. We played a, a Friday night game there, and you know the, the players loved doing that and the atmosphere that that generated. So it's um yeah, it, it would be a, a great opportunity to go to some of these different places. You know, we we've, we've never been in the 
the championship as a club before. It's our centenary in a year next season. So, yeah, let, let's keep everything crossed if everything's aligned and, you know, we win the next 11 games, which um, is very pie in the sky, I know. But if we can do that, then we'll, um, yeah, we, we'll we'll be in the championship next season. Well, we'll definitely have a uh, an eye on those results for the rest of the season, Richie. Thanks for coming on, mate, and, and best of luck for the rest of the year in National 1. Yeah, cheers, James. Thank you. So thanks to Joe, thanks to Gully, thanks to Richie, thanks to producer Ryan, and thanks again to you for listening. Check us out on the socials, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. 